1: 18 plus welcome back to the world of martial arts show i'm here with my co-hosts kurt and mick and as coaches and teaching in the gym we use a lot of strange terms some foreign words you know some names for techniques that we come up with ourselves and we kind of wanted to have a chat about that and um, the language we use within the gym so mick have you got any thoughts on this yeah i have
2: i'm a huge fan of using uh you know traditional terminology um i have to be serious to start off with because i'll just go on my stupid tangents anyway but uh rick fate is a great believer and guru Daniel santo is also a great believer in understanding the history behind the terminology because they always say first of all that it lends some credence to not just yourself teaching it but the art itself and then the cultural appreciation and stuff like that. And uh with me personally, I was always into it anyway from my karate days. Because, you know, you know,
1: Don Maragato
2: kazari Masa sound, you know, thanks a lot, mate. See you next week. Don Maragato kazari Masa sounds way better, you know? And then obviously, you know, uh, let me see. Toby, Toby gary jumping front kick sounds Ace. Yeah, Gakazuki was my favorite. Yeah, if you ever went to a competition, the only advice you ever got was, Gak! Gak him! And like everyone else is like, "What? what is that? What does that even mean, Gak? Gakazuki. Yeah.
3: Mick, what yeah. is it about that kind of term that, like, why do you like it? You know what I mean? Is it just because it sounds fun? It kind of adds something to it? Because it's funny watching you start to slip into those terms, you start to light up, right? I love those it. Those are old terms for you, so I'm curious what it is that still keeps you firing.
2: Well, if you think about it this way, Kurt, you know, um I'm gonna break it to anyone who's listening to this who's gone into martial arts with any sort of prissy ideas about why they went into martial arts. You went into martial arts to escape the boring humdrum suburban life that you had. And what's better than living in Coventry in the 1980s with an Irish accent getting the kick shit kicked out of there, then wait a minute, I'll learn Japanese and I'll I learned how to beat people up in Japanese and you're like oh this is going to be ace so of course it, it also it just it, it just made it a little bit more exotic you know that's that's the whole thing and uh, again it's it's th- there's a bit of like there's a bit of like intellectual and moral superiority behind it where you go oh just side kicking you wait don't you mean Yokogori Chudan down him my friend and you know it's just that sort of shit, you know. It's like I really, really like it because, uh, first of all, you're paying homage to where you've come from, but also it shows that you, uh, you know, that it's not just you know a, a middle sidekick. Nathan, what were you going to say, mate?
1: So. <sighs> I was exactly the same you know if you're about to do some sparring it's much better when if they go hajime before you know but then you start doing it with the accent and you start saying these things and i'm worried that i'm being racist and i'm also i'm worried that i'm saying the words wrong like that's the thing as well i've I've looked video of videos online often we're using it wrong i mean does that matter i mean i remember dave turton saying to me once that um you know a lot of martial arts traditional martial arts they're just historical recreation societies that's all they are and that's that's fine if you know that's what it is but when we're dressing in the gi because that's kind of what someone wore in the paddy fields or something like that and we're saying things with a bit of a Japanese accent I've always been a bit felt a little bit uncomfortable when as a kid I loved it you know a Japanese calligraphy on my wall walking around in Zori sandals you know what I mean like I loved all that shit but now I an adult as someone who's been around it a long time I don't feel as comfortable with it. I I don't know, like, how do you feel about like, are are we being respectful to these, um, the origin countries of our arts, if we're actually saying the stuff wrong, and using it wrong? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Like, I mean, I have, I, I came of age in the 90s. So like the rest of us, I have some asian writing tattooed on my body and you know (laughs) inevitably at least if you were living in the states that's something most of us didn't get out of the 90s without um and so like i I always liked the well here's the problem it was like an aesthetic here like right it was like a a way to a, a um like a genre of of style or something like that and in times that might be interesting but i feel like now in 2021 we've got a lot of perspective about the way that's perceived by people from those communities so in the broad strokes big picture of the thing uh, i think it really depends on the individual and the intention and the way they're going about it the the thing that always gets me is exactly what you're talking about why and mostly i see it with japanese martial arts schools is there the accent and i don't know enough about japanese language to know if that's if if that intonation is actually part of it in the same way that like when I hear people do a stereotype of an Italian accent, I'm like, you know, it's closer to true than it is to untrue, right? You know, it's closer to accurate than it is to not, because that intonation matters. It's part of the, the language. Uh, but I just, it just seems weird to me. Like when we were in Japan, Mick, I didn't see everybody walking around town. <laughs> They're just having conversations like we are. They had all kinds of different voices, you know? And so the idea that once we're on on the mat, Um, All of a sudden, there's this sort of intonation and accent makes me uncomfortable. But I do think it's probably not unlike the way that people when they're like English speakers, at least in America will default into a drill sergeant kind of tone, right? And all of a sudden, it's like they're in the Marine Corps or something like I I wasn't in the the military. That's not part of my background. Why all of a sudden when people are doing push ups, do I sound like I'm in full metal jacket or something that doesn't translate to me? So I don't know if it's the mat or or the culture itself? Mick, what do you think?
2: Well, first of all, uh, you know, it's not just the domain of the Japanese. I was watching Nathan on camera there when you said Japanese, and it was literally like there was this disturbance in the force between the two of us. Because we both thought at the same time, no, we know loads of guys who speak with a Brazilian Portuguese accent. You know, yes, that's-
3: I've been reminded that that's, that's very much become a thing. Yeah
2: yeah yeah you see the, 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 this is the thing it's like um I, you know my friend we do that Oh my palata and you're like whoa whoa wait wait you're from birmingham man why are you talking like that but it, again it's like maybe that's how they learned it uh second generation guys we got no excuse that's the thing we have no excuse at all I'm
3: going to interject though, because how is that? That's not how you learned it. If you learned like the name of the technique with an accent that I get, you know what I mean? Like, so you're sort of, there's an, again, an intonation in the way that you're going to say that because you're trying to use the correct pronunciation. But if you're walking around your gym barefoot with some Brazilian accent and you're from Cleveland, Ohio or whatever, that doesn't that's not, you didn't learn that, you know what I mean? You just, you watch the YouTube videos too many times and you start to, it's like when my kids watch that cartoon Peppa Pig, all of a sudden they sound like you guys, they're talking with English accents. Fine, I get it, but, you know.
2: Oh, the old uh, aristocratic pig has made it over to your neck of the woods. Isaiah. Oh, it's a very much oh. a thing. Oh, it's a big thing, it's a big thing. Um, again, it, it it boils down to the escapism you know a, a a rainy tuesday morning in warsaw or copacabana beach which one are you going to pick you know you're going to pick that and the term as i said with the terminology the terminology i think is literally that's like a gateway drug into losing your mind when it comes to martial arts as soon as i see people first of all use that i know they're going down a deep hole it's almost like the youtube it's like the martial arts equivalent of going on youtube to watch Pepper pig or baby shark and the next thing you know boom you're falling into something you just don't want to be in. Nathan what are you thinking
1: I think that's definitely yeah you're right there there is that is a sign when someone starts using certain terms you're like okay he's on board like you know you've sold him on that and maybe it's one of the ways we do sell it to people like you met Kurt you mentioned like the way you learn a move do you feel an obligation to use the names of techniques that the instructors that taught it to you um used or are you happy to change it within your own gym that's maybe going to suit like your students that's a good question i think i probably def- i probably default to
3: how it was taught to me right so if if person x taught it to me and they use this term that's the one that i use especially cuz a lot of the stuff we all learn might have 10 12 different names not just like in english and original language translation but like with filipino martial arts There's, you know, every group has a different name for the same technique. And then every group might use the same name to mean different techniques. So it's all really contextual in that way. Um, I do think it's completely okay to prioritize what works best if you're a teacher, what works best for your students, for the culture and the community that your school is in. You know, one thing Mick and I share a teacher who always says, you know, he, he respects and appreciates the terms. He doesn't use a lot of the foreign language terms all the time. Um, And he'll say, like, we didn't speak a lot of Filipino, like Tagalog in my house growing up because he's a white guy from Midwest America, you know what I mean? And so I, 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 I appreciate that perspective where he's going, that's not my language. I don't want to do this wrong. I don't want to, and I don't want to speak for him, but, you know, I'm not trying to misrepresent or potentially play around with, um, you know, misappropriation. Some of that stuff it was just this is what the technique is called. That's good enough. Can you do it? Do you care about the art? Do you care about teaching and learning? That's the deal. For me, we use the terms a lot in my school because I love the terms. I'm a nerd for it. I always have been apart from the weird accent thing, which is also kind of fun um but the uh i always think that it it adds all kinds of layers to it it's the stuff i was attracted to before i ever started training was it just the kind of poetry of language that it has and that, that adds different elements to the training certain qualities to it that appeal to me
1: i like we said about some moves have lots of different names i never know quite how to tackle that i've actually used it to sell a move to people before so when i'm teaching i'm trying to sell the move to people and sometimes i've said you know for there's a there's a lock like a key lock when you've got someone's someone's arm bent and it's 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 got so many different names from like catch wrestling udi grammy in uh, in judo and different things um you know people call it a v arm lock and a coil arm lock and different things and sometimes i use that fact that it's got a lot of names to go well that means it's in a lot of arts which means it's probably a legitimate technique Um, and sometimes I've played around using different terms just to see what sticks with different people.
3: Yeah. And for that reason, I really like it or for both those reasons, because things are going to resonate differently for people. Anytime you can be analogous when you're teaching, I think is a really good thing. A good hack. It helps people connect dots when there's some sort of analogy. And when you're going as a type of analogy, you know, this is called this kind of lock because it looks like this. They'll remember that forever. excuse me, if that's how their brain works, you know what I mean? If there's a visual uh, component to the way that they, to their thought process, that'll stay with them for a long time. Um, I also think as a coach, even the hypothetical thing you just ran through, they call it this in catch wrestling, they call it this and this, this in judo. It also makes me go, and Nathan's kind of a stud because he knows all of the different variations from all these different arts. So if I'm a student on the mat with you, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. You know, I I appreciate that it comes from all these sources, but the guy here seems to really know his stuff, and I think that's got value.
2: Yeah, but then, Kurt, that brings us straight back to what we were saying about it lends credence to it. uh What I also, you know, you know, Nathan was saying, where it comes to remembering stuff, I personally, the way my brain works is when we are armbar. I think it's literally, you know, you know, it's armbar, belly down armbar. And so there's only two armbars. But then when you start thinking about it, and there's so many different ways to set it up. And then when you say, I actually like the term jujikatame. I really like that. Because first of all, you know, armbar is something that, because it's English, I I won't really remember it, but I have to spend the time to do it. And then with me personally, I I immediately, when I think Jujikitami, I think two things. Rick Young and Neil Adams. And my brain immediately goes to a clip of watching both of those guys pull off what I think in perfection is probably what an arm bar should... That in my brain, you know that you know that meme where it's like, what my mum thinks I do, what I think I do, what I really do, yeah? So I'm really doing this awful thing where in my brain, I think that I'm pulling off Neil Adams.
1: Nathan? That's, yeah, I didn't even think about like who you associate it with. Because I was actually going to say about, I remember someone talking about Kung Fu once and saying that the evocative names, you know, like if you say Tiger Claw, you know exactly what you kind of mean if you, you know, um, all the, the, yeah, all the descriptions of different hand positions and how they do stuff and, you know, drunken monkey, again, it's using English terms, but it's very descriptive and evocative. So you can almost kind of imagine what it is, but when you use a foreign term, you don't get that but then you do get that added thing of, oh yeah, like if you think Jujigatama, you think Neil Adams and you've seen Neil Adams do it. And you've seen Neil Adams, you know, call it that. And then you've seen him do it and you kind of connect those things together and you kind of want to model and be like him, you know?
2: Well, you know, again, this is a, you know, I, I don't want to lower the tone, but it's, it, you know, this whole situation where uh, you were saying about it being evocative it's one of my personal favorites. I, whenever 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 you know i i make i did it last night i was doing a bit of stick work and i was literally doing it five angles so i was doing some abysidario and then i was saying for training we do the angle one the angle two and it's all adults in the class So i'm there that's the carotid artery and that's the carotid artery and then three and four we go across the body so with the stick and then five is as bob breen always says angle five that's the angle you don't want when you're in jail so I always laugh at that one because that's really really amusing but what I was doing was I i pointed out to the guys about how three and the four uh cutting the femoral artery and uh you know as I did it I yeah you know, been been a bit of time off work without training the partner so I I sort of hit hit my my uh my my Uki Paul Devlin it hit him a little bit and uh he went ow. And I, first of all, I congratulated them because I said, if I hit that low, you've got a very, very lucky wife. That was the first thing. But the second point that I put was I went, I didn't realize I was going to be teaching monkey steals the peach. So it's one of my favorite techniques in Kung Fu, because the minute you hear that, it's like, oh, so that's just a nut shot. Right. But, you know, if you turn around and say, I'm going to teach you all monkey steals the peach. you go, Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm going to teach you how to punch another guy in the nuts effective maybe but not as romantic well, i don't want to use the term romantic jesus just talked about angle fives in the in the prison shower and monkeys stealing peaches but you know what i mean it's more evocative Kurt. but that just the fact that you got to
3: give us that whole explanation is exactly why you know some looseness with the terms can be fun Yeah, because if if monkey steals the peach is a traditional term, I don't know, it kind of sounds like a. am not sure. I I don't know how old that is or something, Um, but it's it sticks out in your head. Um, Any of those associations, I think that help you remember the details like you guys are talking about the way it it makes you think of the individual the terms connected to. That's a great opportunity as coaches for us to be able to build those, those little modeling hacks for our students in their mind.
2: Well, you, 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 the thing is, the monkey steals the page. I don't even know. I've got a sneaky feeling I might have made it up. I have no idea. I probably watched. No, but old, I mean, that's been around kung for. a There's
3: a YouTube channel called uh, Monkeys. Oh, wicked!
2: That's, that's well, an old
3: kung fu thing, and oh, and that's right. like Nathan. This is something I was curious to ask you because I know with combat sports and in more contemporary, if we use that term for combat sports in that way, um, there there's some. Um, differences in culture, maybe around some of the terms and the way that you would use them as a coach in a fight too, as a coach in the ring. Some of these things to me, you know, you get like something called Tiger Claw and it has a traditional uh, uh, Chinese language name for it. And that might be very, very old, right? Potentially this could be from, I don't know, Shaolin Temple or something like that, you know. Um, Whereas other ones are just made by somebody and it maybe has their name, maybe it doesn't. On a long enough timeline, we lose the origin of the term, anyways. And I, I'm curious if that influences you guys in your the way you prioritize prioritize the term. You know, because if we're going look, the guy who first created this thing called it Tiger Claw. That's what you should call it. I mean, we don't know that story, and we certainly don't know that with jab or cross or every other technique that we think of.
1: I do find because because I haven't worked within MMA and just combat sports generally you're picking from so many different places it sometimes feels a bit weird to say you know you're doing something from brazilian jiu-jitsu with a portuguese term and then something from boxing there's something from thai boxing so we do tend to westernize a lot of it and standardize it across um just because it's easier. it just sounds a bit strange you know you, you start jumping around Saying, you know, like a, you know, a teep into a double leg, you know, into a Jujigatami, into, and it's all, it's too much of a mix. It's too much of a mixing pot. So I do find we, we tend to simplify it. Uh, but often, you know, within combat sports, a lot of moves, there's always innovation. Things are always getting named after people. There's like the von Flu choke and the Dash choke. You know, these are after fighters that fighters who made these moves popular. And a lot of gyms name stuff their own way so that when they're cornering and they're shouting things out, then, their opponent won't know what it is i mean 10th planet are really known for that that's their big thing
2: well it's funny just as you were saying this it would be remiss of me not to add this um i I remember being on a seminar once in i'm convinced it was in barcelona um and guru dan in osanto was there and i walked up and i was wearing i i've got you know Far too many t shirts with jiu-jitsu or combat sports written all over them. And I was wearing this t shirt and it had on it jiu-jitsu and then this glossary of terms. And one of them was Delaheva. And Guru Dan came up to me and he said, He goes, Mike, there's a great story about that. And as I said before, he calls me Mike, man. The guy knew Bruce Lee and he almost gets my name right. For a plasterer from Coventry, that's a total win in my book, right? But he came up and he said, Mike, you see this? He said, the Delaheva Guard, he said. Carlson Gracie came up to me and he said, "No, no, we call that the Jello Guard." He said, "That's our Jello Guard." He stole that from us, and I said, "What did you do, Guru?" And Guru was like, "It was Carlson Gracie. I just agreed with him." And I just thought it was an absolutely great line because that just proved like this is the greatest martial artist of our lifetime, and he probably would know fifteen different other variations of what that would be called but uh yeah it's it's very interesting where some people have taken ownership and you know again fair play yeah
1: nathan so one of the big things with terms is what do you call the instructor are you happy with sensei sifu professor guru any of these terms in my gym i don't like any of them i don't really allow any of them um i just like just call me nathan like that's my name like I'm from the suburbs in Leicester, like calling me anything other than that just feels strange. There's no bowing, there's nothing like that. Um, you know, I sometimes I'll call myself an instructor or a coach or a teacher, you know, all Western terms, but I would never personally go to those other arts. but I don't really have the qualifications in some of those to do it. So what about you guys? Nathan,
3: I have a question for you then about that, since you're, you're starting the night, because I think a great topic you said two things so no bowing or anything do you guys have any sort of like dap or some sort of you know well,
1: not you know. right now nothing but yeah okay <laughs> um, interesting norm- normally it's like a you know a slap of the hands and a bump of the fist yeah okay uh, or just a touch of gloves or something sure. like that um right. but so something, again very westernized cool and then
3: um you said uh instructor coach teacher as three examples of western terms Do you think there's a difference between those three things without getting too deep into the layers of that, because that's a whole other conversation regarding the the significance of terminology? Do you think those are are kind of fluid use for you? Or do you have different hats for those things?
1: Yes, they are different. And yes, I agree. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Uh, Stay I, tuned I, I to just, future
3: episodes of the World of Marble Art <laughs> <laughs> Show. <where laughs> I, I,
2: I would just, I would just like to add one thing. Whenever I see any of this, I, one of my classic lines is, "I can lay claim to about six different titles if I wanted to." There's only one that I'll go for. Three, Oh thank you, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm only joking. But as I said before. My, my, the one thing that I will do is even my wife will have to call me professor when I get my black belt in jiu-jitsu because everything else I sort of, sort of got grandfathered in in a way. Well, maybe not so much, but I worked at it. But as I've got older, I've really had to earn that. But the one thing I would say about that, we will touch on it another time, is my biggest take on all of this is. Anybody who wants to be called a grandmaster immediately in my book is not a grandmaster because you can call me anything you want because it doesn't matter to me because I know what I am. So, yeah, I I want to put the hat on that one straight away. But uh, I've just been looking through my notes, boys. And uh, if you don't mind, Nathan, have you ever I want to just ask you when you've been coaching, have you ever used any slang or any sort of terminology that no one would understand? only because I'm going through my notes here and I'm looking at um, the Frankenstein, which was one of Eric Paulson's, where he used to say, if you ever had a guy who didn't really have much talent and he had to get to grips quick, instead of saying clinch, he just used to get them to do the Bela Lugosi, so just do the Frankenstein straight
1: around their neck.
2: We use Frankenstein
1: here too. So I would actually like to hear what terms you do use like i would like to know do you call yourselves guru do you call yourself sensitive? like do people what do people call you at your gym like i i don't know what people do at other gyms like but no
3: i no i think that's a a, a good question we usually yeah. like um grand inheritor of the uh, lineage and the art is usually what we use something like no <laughs> yeah something else
2: is short yeah
3: most of the time you know it's interesting though th- this is why i like this topic is i you know my primary instructor we just always used his first name up until very very recently and now we use titles with him because we've kind of forced that on him um and so that's the tradition i came up in i like that aspect i like that It has more of a gym and a a group dynamic, a club feel. That way, it's a little more accessible. Um, That lack of traditional hierarchy that exists in more modern schools has always appealed to me as a person. Um, The older I get, the more I sort of am uh, going the other direction and starting to crave more of that tradition. And I like to use the terms. I'll put it this way: like I like to use the terms as a student. I don't like to use the terms as a teacher, and I don't like to use the terms and maybe this is my ego when I'm talking to other teachers right so like I met a guy outside of his karate school once here And one time I went past this place we had never met he didn't know who I was we went past I went past this place just to drop in and check it out I just moved to the area and I got there before they opened he was the first guy in the parking lot and he introduced himself to a stranger as Sheehan Steve Right. And I'm like, what if I was just like here to read the meter, the gas meter or something like that? You know what I mean? Like it was so clearly the foot he put forward all the time. This is like people that use their terms as part of their Facebook like name, even though you can tell it's not like just for their students or whatever. It's not just an internal thing. That kind of stuff. It just I don't know. It makes me kind of cringe about it a little bit. I don't know why there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It just makes me uncomfortable, and I I wouldn't use that. So in in my gym, people just call me by my name. A couple people call me Guru or Sifu because they chose to, and that's part of the deal for them. A couple people call me Coach because they choose to. That's kind of part of the deal for them. And that's something that I learned here, especially in the, the town where I live. There's a lot of traditional martial artists where when I'm like, you just call me Kurt, they immediately grimace like, I don't know about this guy, man. He must not really care. You know, Mick, have you... I, I see you shaking your head, you know, nodding your head to that. Is, do you have anything similar? Our, Coventry and Detroit are oddly kind of similar in some of our vibe and tone. I wonder if that's been something you've seen.
2: Bro, this is why I said to you from day one. This is why I me and right. you had an affinity. Yeah, Coventry's the Motown the UK we had the car industry, right. we had music. You had way better music than us by the way. All we sang about was how shit our city was. At least you guys had a bit of a vibe going on that and some cool dancing. But um yeah it's 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 very very strange. Um I have a couple of guys who call me Sifu, a couple of guys call me guru, uh not too comfortable with either of those two to say the truth. Um yeah coach I can de- deal with uh, when it's kids, I get them to call me co- uh, get them to call me coach or boss. Sometimes I like boss anyway because it just puts that seed into their head that yeah yeah you know while well, mixing here he runs the show a little bit. But yeah yeah it's it's one of those it's yeah like I I I really dislike anybody who wants that to be yeah again it's part of their identity. I've got a really dear friend of mine and he's a lovely bloke, but when he's in the pub. He has his students call him sensei in the pub. And I'm looking at them going, really? Come on, man. We're like, there, there's no way I'll do that. But this is the mad thing. I call Dev Barrett sensei Dev because he's a 68-year-old man who was a world champion. I rent his gym off him, and I truly respect the guy. So like, I know that makes me sound like a hypocrite, because I, but I'm doing it because I really respect the guy. Yeah, and there's I, we don't have the relationship to call him. It's call, call Deb, and we have because we're really good friends. But there's there's a lineage that there there's a hierarchy there. That's the one. And you know, I'm not old enough yet to to be that. Nathan, what are you, What's your views?
1: Oh, we've all met some of these Sheehan Steves and pub senseis. They're the kind of guys who get married in their ghee, usually to one of their students. Like that's yeah. <laughs> Oops. That, yeah, we've all seen those. But I got to, I was just thinking the what probably the only time I used to me, I'm
3: sorry, that's the funniest moment of the show so far. That's the most
1: <laughs> accurate <laughs> thing. I'm dying. Um <laughs> I mean I'm I was just thinking one of the times I ever use sir is if I'm at a seminar. Uh if I was if John Will or someone was teaching, I'm not gonna call him sensei, I'm not gonna call him Sifu. I'm not gonna call him Professor. Um, but I'll definitely call him Sir. Like I won't just call I just go, All right, John you know, like I, I, so I I do feel that you you do have to find a way to show respect to the people that you do respect.
3: Yeah, I, and I think, sir, it, you know, sir is one of those things I just kept was kind of raised that way. Like I, I'll call most people if you're a guy and just out bumping you walking past you on the sidewalk. That's just kind of how I was raised to talk to people, sir, ma'am, or whatever. It's not even politeness as much as I don't know, it's just this is kind of how you communicate with people. And, uh, So I've always been in the habit of that. And it's so rare that you get somebody who goes, I see you calling me sir, but really it's sensei. And I've had that happen before. And I think more than once. And I think only with sensei as a term. And, you know, right away to me, that's like, I'm probably not going to come back, you know, because it just makes me think you're here for specific reasons that don't really match anything that I'm interested right now. You know, Mick, you're talking about um, not liking somebody who, like, uh, anoints themselves grandmaster. And there's a quote that I love. I have it up on the wall. And I have the quote, um, it's, I actually first saw it in a meme from Edgar Solite, who's a, a Filipino martial art legend that passed away some time ago. But it, it might, you might be able to attribute it to someone else as well. But it's something to the effect of um, a master is never, is, a master is only ever called a master by other masters, never by himself. That I like, you know, and the idea that it's like, look, I'm going to call you this, like Mick, you're saying that the gentleman that you call Sifu or whoever, you know, um, I have that with David Hatch here in town, right? So David was my first JKD teacher and everyone here in Detroit that knows him, he's sort of the representation, the overarching, the the Inasano method godfather for this part of the country, right? For this part of the, especially for Michigan. And so I call him Seafood Dave, because everybody calls him seafood Dave. I don't actually think of him as my Sifu. I think of Rick Fay as my Sifu in the way that that term has meaning. Rick won't let me call him that, but it you know, but I make my students call him that, and that's another thing then, like, Mick, I'm curious to get your take on your fluidity with these terms that you because you have all these terms that would apply to you, and maybe you don't make your students do that. But if Dan and Asano, if Rick Faye, if whoever was there, do you have rules in how that etiquette might be different for the person higher than you?
2: 100%. Uh, I, I always, I, it's pretty much a litmus test that I have uh, for when I speak to people. If we ever mention anything to do with Guru and Asanto, it's always, uh, if I ever hear anyone say, Dan, I immediately go, first of all, you've never met him or you've met him so many times that guess what? You're his mate because there, there is no way, you know, that you should be there. And, you know, with Rick, we, we always call Rick Guru Rick. I call him Sifu. And um, yeah, this is quite be a, could be a good good time to uh, enter into this because um, I, myself and Rick Fay had a conversation with us. So I called him Sifu and I was like, uh, you know, but that that's the term, isn't it? And it was after I'd, I'd put together a UK tour for him, and we'd actually gone out for a couple of beers because he had two two nights free. So I just took him around and showed him Stratford upon Avon and places like that. And I called him Sifu, and he, get, he sat me down and he goes, "Do you actually know what this means?" He goes because everyone thinks he goes because I find it very amusing that people say this. And he said, "If you want to call me Sifu, Mickey goes, I would be honoured that you would call me Sifu." But he said that you know there's a there's a weight to this and i was like what what do you mean a weight and he said well basically it's sort of like anything that you do now from now on directly will be reflected by me and vice versa he says it's like this symbiotic relationship now where it's like i'm your sifu which is like an older brother type figure but the crack is if you do anything to embarrass yourself you're embarrassing me You know what that means, Mick. And I was like, Yeah, that means I don't do anything to embarrass you anymore. And he goes, Or don't get caught, you know, that sort of thing, you know. So, because he's Rick's caught me a few times and said to me, He goes, I love you, Mick, but that online stuff that you're always up to, why do you, why do you wind people up so much? And I'm like, Because it's easy. And the other thing is, they're exactly, it's like Ferris Bueller, you know, it's like, I have to do it. I see somebody who, who takes themselves that importantly. I've got to go, listen, man. I can't have that. So that was the point where I was like, "We've just had a conversation. This has got nothing to do with martial arts. This is literally, you know, we're we're actually this makes our friendship bond or our relationship so much deeper. So with me, I is you call Guru Rick, Guru Rick. You call Guru Dan, Guru Dan. And guess what? You realize who those guys are. The the the, the best one I've ever." best thing when it comes to titles i've ever heard was literally when i went into a seminar with Ajahn Chai. and when i went in there the first thing they said was you can do anything you want in there mick but if you dare call him anything but sir you will find out how much that guy puts like the weight into this term and i was like and one guy one guy turned around to him and he did call him sir whack focus me straight around the back of the head he goes we caught him. everyone's here sir because he, he, like, he'll he call you sir all the time. You get, like, most of the time when he walks past me, he goes, you are terrible, sir. You look terrible, sir. You hit like my sister, sir. And I'm like, your sister must be pretty tough. Then no, I don't try. No, I don't actually say that, you know. But you understand where I'm coming from. So, yeah, I do believe that these terms, there's some real weight to them. But then again, unfortunately, it's like when you throw it around. You know,
1: it loses a bit of weight. I don't know. What do you think, Nathan? Just ask my students to call me Nathan. I've been called a lot worse, I think. So That's the joke I use. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's... I I always say, look, if someone... I mean, people have come in. Usually the person who comes in on the first session and calls you Sifu, there's some strange guy in, like, a, you know, Game of Death head-to-toe outfit or some weird thing uh, who's just watched a lot of movies and wants to come in, and that's fine. But... I would rather people didn't do that because again, like I just said, you know, I'm a, I'm a Western guy. I've lived in England all my life. To call me some term from another martial art from another country just seems strange. You know?
3: So we've been talking about different terminology that we see throughout martial arts, maybe from different countries, from different historical regions or, or periods of time. Uh, some of them are, are fun and they're modern. Some of them are really detailed and, and paint a picture about what the technique is supposed to be or where it comes from. I'm wondering if there's any favorite techniques, uh, favorite names for techniques that we can share. Mick, is there any that pop into your head? I know we both have Eric Paulson as a shared coach who, for me, is sort of the king of hilarious terms. I've got a couple of his written down. Uh there's there any that jump out to you?
2: So, well, for me, I, I've taken one, one from VUNAC, uh, from, uh, from uh, Sifu Paul VUNAC, which is the shake and bake which I I just love because that's the first one on my
3: list too. Yeah.
2: yeah, Oh yeah. It's straight in there because you say it and everyone goes, Oh, that sounds really good. And you go, not really. I'm going to give you like concussion here. So basically, yeah, it's in the clinch and you throw the head around and stuff. And I really like it because, you know, with, with the way that Paul Vunak sells it, he goes, yeah, you do the shake and bake, and then you do the rally. And you go, oh, the rally, this sounds interesting. So the rally then is the shake and bake, and each time the head comes in, you choy him in the head, and then you elbow him, and then you switch to the other side. And you go, and you're like, that's brutal, but it sounds really cool. So, of course, I was teaching that. That's one of my go-tos. Uh, yeah, that one and beating someone up with their own arm where I do the parry and bridge and the gaji and stuff, which I really like. But um, I like I like doing the shake and bake. And then I always do the bad breastfeeder. And people go, what's that? And I said, just like imagine, you know, the hand of rocks, the cradle. Remember that movie, yeah? So shake and bake, shake and bake. And then what I do is I just whack them as hard as it, their head straight into the pectoral. Boom, like that. Ah! God, Mike, that, that, that almost hurt me. But, you know... <laughs> I, I really like that. So I, as I'm doing it, I do shake and bake, baby, shake and bake, rally. Whoa, who hates mummy? Boom, like that, and then throw it straight in there. And I absolutely love it because then everyone's like, you don't take this seriously. And I go, no, and ironically, I'm way better than you. You know, that's, that's what I like about martial arts. I should have
3: assumed, I should have just actually asked you to start creating or tell us terms you've created because <laughs> bad best for breast hilarious. Yeah, bad, I yeah, immediately knew what you meant too. Yeah, <laughs> and well, that's, well, but that's the part that I love about this is as <laughs> ridiculous as that is right away. I was like, oh, I know what he, like I, I could picture the whole scenario just based on that because it's descriptive in a certain way it's contextual but that that's what works about it i really like um in ghost they have a piece of footwork called michael jackson we do a piece of footwork in my gym called van halen which is just basically based on the logo and the look of the logo Um, when you double it up it looks like the wonder woman logo so we used to use that with the kids program we call it wonder woman they do certain footwork we call out superman they do one that looks kind of like the superman logo and so I like that kind of thing. That that helps, like in the case of the kids, it helps them actually picture this and get their body to do it instead of, um, you know, female triangle or something, which is a common Filipino martial art term, and they're not really yeah. going to have context for that. But
1: Definitely had. Have- different levels of success with things that i've said i remember a seminar once i was teaching a whole sequence where you're behind someone who's turtled up like in a referee's position and you're breaking them down and getting them face down and riding them from there and um i told the class it was prison jujitsu, and it just deathly silence um although one person came up afterwards and said that was amazing why did no one laugh um (laughs) then we had we had dean lister come up and he was teaching a footlock and when you wrap the footlock you bring the hand nice and high. And he used to, have to bring it right up to your chest like this. And I told him, oh, just call it second base. Like, you know, you reach and you grab there. And then I saw a video of him teaching a seminar in another country. And he goes, oh, this is called second base. And I was like, I fucking name that.
2: Yeah. I uh, I, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of those names were just amazing, weren't they?
3: When we I, we use it. Eric Paulson's, we use uh, Meat Helmet. And we use, um, just for, for balling up, which I really like, we use... Um, Oh, well, there's another one I was just thinking of. I don't know. I'll have to come back to the it, melon. But... The
2: melon crusher. Melon crusher is a yeah. favorite. The oh, you know what? I just remembered. Kadoink. 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 kadoink.
3: kadoink. Yeah, the kadoink is. A, that's just a fun word to say. Like you guys kept talking about. Um, Jujika, Jujikatami. Right yes. and Mick, you had said I just like that one. That's just fun to say every time you guys say it. I'm like, yeah, I get why we're using terms. Kadoink is one of those. It's hilarious, and that's he's talking about just like a vertical hammer fist right to your head. Don't right. Yeah, right, well,
2: to kadoink is hilarious. Well, it was just as you were saying it, Kurt, uh, Yeah, our mutual teacher Rick Fay used to teach the uh, he used to teach the hitchhiker uh, armbar escape because obviously he'd always say when he's teaching grappling. This was back in the early days where. Uh, nowadays you go up against any kid who's played a bit of UFC, has an idea about grappling or he's rolled around and with his friends but uh, this was back in the days where they didn't realise and Eric, uh, the Rick used to go right okay now you, to do the escape you've got to do the three stooges walk and I remember me and you doing it Kurt and as we were doing it he's, he was turning us off because we weren't doing the we weren't doing the three stooges uh, like whatever it is is it a language i don't know what is it it's just a sound that you guys make isn't it you guys i'm not saying you're a stooge by the way i'm just saying like you american characters you know? oh that's true that's, it.
3: that's that's part of my cultural heritage is <laughs> the stooge people <laughs> of yeah <laughs> yeah um you know <clears throat> so there's a lot of we were saying earlier too, um like Juji Katami, there's uh, foreign language terms, which is to say I'm an English speaker, so they're foreign to me, that I really like that maybe as traditional terms for techniques kind of add what my teacher, Fred Biliardi, my uh, Kalisilistrisimo teacher, called a, a poetry of language. And I thought that was a great way to describe this stuff because it adds a certain kind of thing to the technique. Uh, so two that occurred to me that I thought were kind of cool for that reason is cadena real which we hear a lot in filipino martial art and it's a kind of dissolving motion usually with a blade that goes uh, across the head or across the throat cadena real means uh like a royal necklace a, a, a ruby royal necklace a red necklace um and once you hear that you realize okay we're talking about cutting a throat And those rubies are the blood coming down from the throat, right? And now all of a sudden you're like, yeah, okay, you clearly have thought about this when you named this technique, right? It wasn't just Steve's backhand motion or whatever. It was, you know, there's something to that that I thought was interesting. There's another one they use called pinkies. And I think my accent is right on that. But it's like if you had um, a sword and you're trying to kind of um, clap together to stall their motion between your blade and your hand. That sandwiching motion of those two things coming together is like sandwich bread. And so, pinkies are like um, what we would call sliders here in the US, like street food, little tiny sandwiches. And again, there's something I'm never gonna forget that I'm gonna always remember that technique because of the idea that, oh, it's a kind of food that I've never seen or been exposed to that is a common street food in another part of the world, which I think is kind of interesting. Mike, do you have a favorite um, term that comes from a different language or a traditional term for an art that you think is similar where it kind of adds a little bit of, of light onto a technique and maybe that can bring us home?
2: Well, for me, it was the, the, I'd never ever heard of the term Kembeata. So the Kembeata where you where you meet meet and dissolve and come through. So very similar to what you were saying when we meet yes. the stick. And it was for me, first of all it was Terry Barnett was the first person I ever used the term. So literally I used to hear people say, you hit and switch. You hit and switch. And I was like, hmm. And then he said Kembeata and I was like, oh, what's that mean, tell And he said, well, it's you meet the force and you're dissolving it. And the minute he said that, everything, like literally, from not just from not just from the stick work, but uh, even from trapping. And then in, I, 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 I Yeah, you know, it makes it sound really poncy when I say this, but I have it in jiu-jitsu now, where I literally will have this thought process where yeah, you know, I'll just follow. Yeah, you know, I'll dissolve. I'll dissolve what's coming in. And I know that makes me sound like way airy fairy. But it's not. It's what I like about it is I like the fact that that one simple little word makes me realise that this oncoming energy is coming, and what I do is I just have to give into it. I give into it, and I just ride it. I literally was using it last night where we I was teaching the Cambiata, and uh, we were doing we are doing a little bit of stick work on the warm up, and I was explaining to the guys. I said, "What I love about this is the fact that." In the Western world, we have such a binary mindset. So we all know the thing, oh, it's sink or swim, man. Sink or swim in life. And they go, I better not tell those surfers, man, because they seem to be having a fucking great time. And then you, when you think about it, you go, so uh, what's surfing? It's You jump on it and go, hey, okay, it's my skill level that's going to get me or I'm going to screw up. And it's that moment where you jump in it. you go, do you know what? Instead of trying to stop it, instead of trying to follow it, guess what? accept it and it's just and i like the, i like the mindset behind that and, and that so you, you then you've forward. got
3: one term that can encapsulate all of that feeling and all of that thought process that you just yeah. described yeah. and instead exactly. you just, boom, here's one thing like that
2: well that, that's yeah cool. but you see yeah and then you see i have that i use it i use that in, i use that with my mindset in jujitsu sometimes oh, right where it, like, this is happening right okay how do i get out of it and i use it quite a lot believe it or not nathan leverton or there uh, chastise me for this because uh, at 52 years of age I shouldn't be scrambling so my big favourite my big favourite all the time is yeah I'll give up the pass and we're going to scramble you know and then it's like you're, you always end up diving getting to your knees diving for single legs when they're never there like as I said like I spend more time now reaching for single legs than I do looking for my keys you know you know that's how old I am mm-hmm. I'm like well it's got to be here somewhere and it's never there but yeah it's but it's but as I said it's a wonderful term I think it's a great term. Have you got so I think any we,
3: terms? We, we landed on the fact that, that terms are, are, are fluid. It's contextual. They can be important. They can be of significant impact. But uh, what's the Bruce Lee quote, Mick? The, uh, you know, don't focus on the finger pointing at the moon.
2: Or oh, you'll miss all the heavenly glory.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.